Thank you, Eric. Good songs this morning. In Christ alone, hope has a name. <laughs> what faith can do, great is thy faithfulness. I mean, folks, solid rock. It don't get no better than that. Uh, well, I want to tell you, I made a mistake yesterday. Some of you are saying, oh, gosh. But I, made, I just made a big blunder, and I'm just going to share it with you, all right? We had a funeral yesterday for Mr. Jeff uh, Ario, and uh, Pastor Ron, he called me yesterday morning, and he was sounding a little rough, and by the end of the funeral, he sounded even rougher. He stayed away from everybody, just stayed up here on the stage, and uh, after the funeral, my big mistake was... I asked him, are you going to preach tomorrow? (laughs) And soon as those words came out of my mouth, I knew I had messed up. All right? And he said, what about you doing it? (laughs) And I said, well, call everybody else that you think can think of first. And if nobody can do it, I'll do it. And so he he made several calls, and uh, uh, it didn't work out, so it worked out for me. Okay? So... Uh, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak. We're going to do something, since this is uh, Love Weekend, I guess, tomorrow, Valentine's Day, and uh, so that's a great day, and there's several of us in this in this church here that have uh, a birthday tomorrow, too, me included, and uh, so we're going to celebrate that also, and uh, it's always a special time. I thought... I spoke back, the last time I spoke was back in September, about five months ago, and I spoke on the first chapter of Ruth. We're going to go to the second chapter of Ruth. So take your Bible, if you will, book of Ruth, right between Judges and 1 Samuel. Uh, We're going to go back to that, look at the second chapter. Let me give you just a a little bit of background, The, the book of Ruth. Uh, we don't know for sure. It's not told. It doesn't say in the text who the writer is, but it's it's uh, believed that Samuel is the writer, and that makes good sense to me about uh, the way the book of Ruth ends and what happens with it. Uh, but Samuel is the author, we believe. Uh, the book of Ruth is sometimes thought of the greatest short story ever written. It could also be known as the greatest love story ever written. Let me give you a quick review, and then we'll have a word of prayer and get right into chapter 2. Quick review of chapter 1. We, we talked about uh, the word extraordinary. That may trigger your memory a lot. There were a lot of extraordinaries in that, that message. It keyed in on the extraordinary sovereignty of God. We were introduced to Naomi, her husband Elimelech, their two sons, Kilion and Malon, and their wives, Orpah and Ruth. Orpah and Ruth were Moabites. Naomi and Elimelech had moved from Bethlehem to Moab because of the famine in the land. Uh, While there, Elimelech died. Their two sons, Malon and Kilion, married two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, And then Malon and Kilion died. They were there about 10 years, I believe the Bible says. And it was 
left, there's Naomi, there's Ruth, and there's Orpah, left alone. The famine ceased, and Naomi decided to come back home to Bethlehem. That's something we all need to consider from time to time, going back home to God. She decided to do that. She encouraged both Orpah and Ruth to go back to their mothers and fathers and their homeland and stay there. And as the story goes, of course, Orpah decided to do that. But Ruth said, I'm going to go with you. Your God's going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. What a great decision Ruth made in turning from her homeland and turning to the God of the universe and wanting to serve him. And so Naomi and Ruth come back to Bethlehem. And uh, the last verse of chapter 1, if you'll go back up to it, reads this. Verse 22 of chapter 1 says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for love. We thank you for a perfect love that comes from only God. And God, we thank you that you love us perfectly and wholly. You love us unconditionally. There is nothing that we can do God, to stop you from loving us. And we are so grateful for that. And as we look at this portion of Scripture this morning, God, I pray that you would open up our understandings. Holy Spirit, we ask that you give us understanding. As we unpack what's here, I pray that we would find the truths that you want us to find and you'd help us to apply them to our lives today so that we would be better servants of yours and God if there's anyone in this place this morning or those that are listening online they've never made a decision to give their lives to Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins God I pray that today would be the day that you would speak to that heart through your Holy Spirit and God that they would come home to you and find you precious to their hearts and souls So God, bless us now as we look into your word and bless these, your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2 reads this way. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain left behind in anyone whose leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech. I want us today to look at some blessings of God 
in our lives. I think they're seen clearly here in chapter 2. There's many of them. We will not cover all of the blessings of God, but some are very clear in this passage. In these first three verses, I see the blessing of God's plan or his purpose in our life. Naomi and Ruth weren't in the best situation. They're in a male-driven society, and they're two women alone. They have no work. They have no food. They are considered the poorest of the poor. They had no way of surviving on their own. Please notice the humility of Ruth. She accepted the position that she was in. Verse 2, she says, let me go to the fields. I don't hear any whining about their position. I don't hear any blaming on someone else. She accepted the position they were in and decided to do something about it. They did not even demand that someone else care for them. And so Ruth decided to go into the fields and reap after behind the harvesters. Verse 3, the latter part of verse 3, the NIV puts it this way. As it turned out, she found herself in the field of Boaz. Other versions may have, as it happened. Now, do you believe in coincidence? I, you should be shaking your head this way. Yeah. No, I do not believe in coincidence. I believe that our days are numbered and our days are laid out. The Bible teaches that in Psalm 139, I believe, uh, before there's ever one of them. So this was not a coincidence. This was evidence of the plan and purpose of God. I see that as a great blessing in our lives. What does that mean to you and to, I, to, to me? It means that no matter what happens in my life today or tomorrow or any time during my life, no matter the difficulty, no matter how dark it may seem, that God has a plan, God is sovereign, and his purpose is going to be wrought out in my life as long as I keep my eyes focused on him and my attention on him, and I live my life as best I can for his honor and for his glory. Isn't that what we're all to be about, church? All right, being faithful to him, growing in relationship uh, to him. There is no such thing as coincidence. God not only redeems people, God redeems circumstances and situations. Aren't you glad of that? How many of you could give testimony today that God has redeemed circumstances and situations in your life? Just raise your hand up. Yes, look at there. Look at there. I am so grateful for that fact. For every person, God has a plan and purpose in, his, in, in our lives. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace of and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. Amen.
So for believers, one of his purposes is that we grow in that relationship with him. For unbelievers, those that don't know Christ, he has a purpose for your life also. The very first purpose is that you be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So turn from this world. Turn to Jesus. Repent. Find him precious to your heart even today. The blessing of God's plan and his purpose. Have you found that in your life? Can you grasp hold of that? I hope you can because it's real. And I want you to see that this morning. Let's look at verses 4 through 9. Read with me. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, they called back. Verse 5, Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jar the men have filled. Verses 4 through 9 show me the blessing of God's compassion. You can see a picture of the compassion of God in Boaz. When Boaz heard that who Ruth was, he undoubtedly knew that her mother-in-law was the widow of Elimelech, who was of the same clan. In verse 8, he said to Ruth, listen to me. Don't go to another field to glean. Don't go away from here. Stay right here with my servant girls. Can you hear the compassion in Boaz's voice as he says that? Do you think Ruth was even expecting that? Probably not. But can you hear the compassion in his voice as he said that to Ruth, a foreigner? Do you remember how, what, what trouble the Moabites caused Israel? All the time they were a thorn in Israel's flesh. And here is a Moabite woman in the field of Boaz. And he spoke with compassion and love toward her. He even gives her the blessing of companionship. He told her, go ahead and make some friends with my servant girls. Stay with them. Now, what do you think that kind of made her feel comfortable? I just imagine that it did. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. The blessing of God's compassion and his comfort. See that compassion as God offers us companionship with him through his Son. We were lost. We were helpless. We were hopeless. God in his grace and mercy, offered companionship 
When he said, here, my son has paid the price. Come to him. Give him your sin. And he will give you forgiveness and eternal life forever. On numerous occasions in the New Testament, we read words like this. Jesus looked on the crowds with compassion. Compassion. In the Old Testament, Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Amen? Amen. The blessing. Of God's compassion. Aren't you glad God had compassion on you? Did you deserve it? No. No, we don't deserve it. But he did in his mercy and his grace. Read with me verses 10 through 13. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. Look at that humility again. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor? In your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner. God just gave me a thought right there. Those of us that know him and have had our sins washed away, we ought to be falling down on our face before God constantly and saying, why have you shown favor to me, a sinner? Foreigner to your ways. But God has shown his mercy and grace. Continue reading. Boaz replied, verse 11, I've been told all about you, what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you didn't know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. Notice the humility again of Ruth, verses 10, when she bowed down with her face to him. And then in verse 13, she didn't claim to have a right to work in the field. She considered herself even lower than his servant girls. She was just grateful for the opportunity to be there and to glean behind the harvesters. Boaz mentions that he'd been told of what Ruth did for Naomi, how she'd left her father and mother, her homeland, and came to live with the people she didn't even know. He was impressed with her diligence in working to serve her mother-in-law. Watch the blessing that he puts on her. Look at verse 12. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Do you believe that God is a rewarder? Yes, He is. If the Lord repaid you, 
what you deserve at this moment, what do you think you would receive? I don't want to think about it very long. I am glad that he chooses to look at us through grace and mercy instead of what we deserve. Hebrews 11.6 reminds us that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Wasn't that what Ruth was doing in all of this? She decided to leave her homeland. She told uh, Naomi, your God's going to be my God. She is continually trying to serve Naomi and go after Naomi's God. And here, even Boaz, through Boaz, her kinsman redeemer, he's saying, may the Lord repay you for your faithfulness in this. He's chosen to forgive and reward us with a home in heaven for eternity when we place our faith and trust in the saving work of his son. So I ask you to give him, those of you that do not know him, give him your sin in repentance. You know what he'll repay you with? Salvation for eternity. Give him the confusion and chaos of your life. He's going to repay you with clarity. Give him your hopelessness. He's going to repay you with a home in heaven. God is a God of rewards. The Bible clearly says that one day, we've learned this in our Revelation study, one day all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Doesn't matter whether you're saved, whether you're not saved, you're going to be judged. We as believers, we are under no condemnation because our righteousness or Christ's righteousness has become our righteousness. But the Bible clearly says that we will be judged on our faithfulness and what, with what Christ has given us to do. And then for those that unbe- are unbelievers, the great white throne in the end, they will be sentenced to an eternity of separation from God in the lake of fire, eternal torment, rewards, Which reward do you want? You want the reward God gives? Or do you want the reward to go to hell that wasn't even prepared for human beings? The Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his demons. It wasn't even prepared for us because there's a way to escape that. Verses 10 through 13 talk to me about the blessing of of God's reward. 14 through 18. Let's read ahead. I think we're doing good. I was thinking you might get out early, but I don't know now. All right. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. Do you, do you realize how out of the ordinary this is? She's still a Moabite, okay? And he's saying, come over here with the rest of us. Join us, all right? Hospitality at its best here, all right? She ate all she wanted and had some left over. Verse 15, 
As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she'd gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. First of all, in these verses, I see the blessing of God's provision. We've already seen some provision mentioned in the latter portion of verse 9 when Boaz said to Ruth, when you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the jar that the harvesters drink from. God may not always give us what we want, but he will provide our needs. Later in verse 14, Boaz invited her to eat with the harvesters. In this instance, Ruth ended up with more than she needed. Bible says she ate all she wanted and had some left over. Verse 16 says, Boaz even told the harvesters to leave some extra grain for Ruth. Don't put it all up in the sheaves. Leave some out. And even if she does, grab some from the sheaves. Don't embarrass her. In other words, don't hinder her. Don't make fun of her. After gathering the barley and threshing it, she had an amount to an ephah. That's about a bushel. That's a pretty good amount and a lot of work. Psalm 23.1 says this. It reminds us that those whose shepherd is the Lord have no want. Listen to what it says. You know it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God is a God of provision. Also in these verses, I see, I see the blessing of God's protection and his power. In verse Earlier in verse 9, Boaz had mentioned to Ruth, he told his men not to bother her. And in verse 15, he reminds his men that even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass or hinder her. Don't you think that kind of empowered Ruth to keep working? It would me. God is continually watching over you. Let me remind you of that. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3 says, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong, courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God is a God of protection and power. Read with me. We're almost through the, through the chapter. Verses 19 through 21. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our kinsmen redeemers. 
Then Ruth the Moabitess said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. In those days, in order to keep the line of the family alive and the property that an individual had, if a gentleman died and his spouse was left, someone else in that clan, the next in line who was available, would be offered, they would be able to take that man's property, not as their own, but as his, carrying that line on, and even take his wife as their wife. And so that's what the kinsman redeemer, he would redeem them for the clan or for the tribe. Isn't that a picture of what Jesus does for us? He has redeemed each one of us and made us a part of his family. Verse 19 says, Naomi said, Blessed be the man that took notice of you today. It was a good thing that Boaz was there, wasn't it? Right there in that, just that little bit. I find the blessing, I was reminded of the blessing of God's presence. The blessing, is, is God's presence dear to you? Can you imagine what it would be like to live in this world without his presence, to never sense him, to never feel that he knows what's going on in your life. Oh, I wouldn't want to live like that. I am so glad that God knows everything about me. He knows every thought before it comes. Some of them I wish he didn't. Yeah, but he does. I am so grateful that Psalm 1611 reminds us there is joy in the presence of God. I imagine Naomi and Ruth were experiencing some, some amount of joy at this moment. Psalm 139.7 says, Where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where can I flee from your presence? And the answer is, you can't. Nowhere. If you're an unbeliever this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I've got news for you, whether you know it or not. The God of heaven is pursuing you. He wants you for himself. He wants you to be a part of the family of God, whether you realize it or not. It is true. And for us as believers, God is continuing to pursue us also. Even though we know him, he wants us to know him better. He wants us to fall in love more and more with him because in so doing, then the world will see Jesus in us and be drawn to him. God's presence is constantly pursuing us. There's nothing like the blessing of the presence of God. Verse 22 and 23. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it'll be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. Verse 23. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and the wheat harvest were done. And she lived with her mother-in-law. There's something about the blessing of God's peace. Don't you, don't you just sense the peace in those two verses? 
Naomi and Ruth probably began to feel a little comfort and peace that maybe things were going to turn turn out okay for them. Seems she was comforted by the reception that Ruth had received. Seems that Naomi was comforted by the reception that Ruth received. In this crazy world that we live in, we need a prescription for peace. To drive away the anxiety and worry that sometimes plagues our lives. My mind just goes back to the song we sang earlier. Hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. Whatever your need is today, he's the answer. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. John 14, 27 said this. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you the peace that the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Aren't you grateful for a God of peace? He brings that into our lives. It doesn't matter in the, uh, in the election, which candidate wins, I can still have peace. It doesn't matter when the doctor says, you've got cancer, I can still experience God's peace. It doesn't matter when they tell me, your job is over, we're sorry, we're going to have to let you go. I can still sense and know the peace of God in my life. It doesn't matter. When a family member or spouse dies and leaves us alone, we can still experience the peace of God in our lives. He is a God of peace. I've given you several blessings, many, many, many more. But these I see in this chapter of Ruth. So what do we do with that in 2022? In the three main characters, we see a couple of great lessons. First, look at Ruth. Her sacrifice and hard work to provide for Naomi shows me the love of God. When Ruth said to Naomi, your people will be my people and your God will be my God, She meant that. It wasn't just words. Her actions backed that up. Look at Boaz. The loyalty of him to his kinsman, Elimelech, exemplifies the faithfulness of God. And Naomi's plan for Ruth's future exemplifies a selfless kind of love. Second, Notice the obedience of all three. In following God's plan, that reminds us that when we allow God to work out his purpose in our lives, then and only then will we be fulfilled and be satisfied. As Boaz was a kinsman redeemer, he agreed to become the defender and rescuer of Ruth 
And Naomi, unchanged, sings a song, Rescuer. I like that. I like that song. I was reminded of that. Boaz eventually made Ruth his wife in the next chapter or two. Jesus bought us for himself on Calvary when he shed his precious blood for each one of us. He is our kinsman, redeemer. He's bought us out of, out of the curse and out of the helplessness, and he made us his bride, just like Boaz made Ruth his bride. He blesses us with his purpose and plan. He blesses us with his compassion. He blesses us with his reward, his protection, and his power. He blesses us with his presence through the Holy Spirit. And he blesses us with peace. To be blessed of God is to have the favor of his goodness. Can you praise him for his favor shown to you? Can we cry out to God as Ruth did? Why? Why have I found favor in your eyes? Maybe we ought to cry that out even more to our God. Let him know how much we appreciate the fact that he has welcomed us into his family. Christian, are you faithfully serving? Are you faithfully worshiping? Are you faithfully loving God and your neighbor? Are you growing in that relationship? Are you closer to God today than you were yesterday, a year ago, five years ago? That's the intent, the purpose of God's plan in your life. For those that have never surrendered to Jesus Christ, as I said earlier, there's only the first purpose for you is to be saved. Scripture is clear about that. He calls you today. If you sense a tugging at your heart, that is the Holy Spirit of God saying, I want you. I need you. I will wash all your sins away. I will make you white as snow. And you can live your life for me, knowing that all of these blessings you will find precious to your heart and soul. The thing you need to do is just come in repentance and surrender to God. We're going to sing a song here in a few moments. Graham's going to lead us in that. Does a great job on the song. Come as you are. A lot of folks think, well, I will, I will come to Jesus when I do this. Or I need to get this straightened out. Or I need to uh, get this taken care of. No. God doesn't want you to take care of anything he wants you to come just as you are and allow him to do all of that in your life. And it's the most amazing thing that you will ever experience. I cannot tell you, I don't have words enough to tell you uh, what it's like to have your sins washed away and to know that Jesus is living inside of you through the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to do that today. Find, if you don't want to come down here to the front, find someone after the service. Find Gray or myself, somebody, and ask them to tell you how to be saved. And we will be glad to do just that. Will you do that? Let's pray. God, we thank you.
for these moments. God, I pray that you have taken what the stump, the stumbling words and thoughts that I have rambled with this morning and your people have gotten something out of it. And God, we do pray for each of us that know you. Would you show us afresh and anew some of the blessings that you have poured out on us in our lives? We take them so, so for granted. For those that may be hearing my voice that can never point to a time when they surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, I pray, God, that they would do that and do that soon. Because I know you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And God, we want to be rewarded. But the Bible also teaches that there is judgment for those that reject Jesus Christ. And God, we don't want anyone to go through that. So God, through your spirit, you speak to those of us who need it the most and move us from where we are. Move us to where we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen.